Hello from me, Jules Perrone, and a very warm welcome to Unpacked. I'm just back from an epic adventure around Tanzania with press and top agents, visiting some of the most incredible lodges and sites in East Africa, hanging out with giraffes at Giraffe Manor in Nairobi, seeing lions hanging out of trees in the Serengeti. What a trip it was. And now I'm back here in drizzly grey SW1. So the first thing I must do is thank you if you're one of the several hundred people who downloaded episode one of Unpacked as we took our first tentative steps into podcasting. Two things about that. Firstly, you clearly have fantastic taste. And secondly, thank you very much for coming back. And if you're joining us for the first time, you can also consider yourself ahead of the curve and it's lovely to have you with us. I could not be more excited about our guest today because he is truly a global hotelier. He started an illustrious 35-year career with the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company before becoming general manager of the Grosvenor House Hotel in Mayfair and then MD of the Carlisle in New York and then spearheading the growth of YTL Hotels in Singapore. Today, he is co-founder and CEO of Nihi on the island of Sumba in Indonesia, which won the Best Hotel in the World Award not once but twice running. It's famous for its galloping seahorses that run as a herd along the beach it's Oki's left wave, arguably the best left-hand pipe in the world. Excellent service and facilities, from its spa safari to paddle and pickle courts. It is wild and raw, relevant and fun. And so, dear James, you are the ultimate traveller with homes in Indonesia, South Africa and the US. But I know your heart mostly these days is in Portugal. But where are you right now? Right now, Jules Brown, I'm on the edge of wildness in your favorite place. I'm actually on the island of Sumba. And we were working on the sound for the last half hour because we've been in torrential rain. I've been walking around like a lunatic with the computer, uh, really like an idiot abroad, and uh, <laughs> finally found a place which is actually in uh, Karen's boutique on the counter. It's the only quiet place I could find that we could get a decent feed. So here we are. That is dedication to this podcast, James McBride. Thank you very in, much. In, indeed. From a, a failure in JK Place where we didn't have success, <laughs> this time around where we've moved into Indonesia and the furthest islands away, we're actually speaking. So here we are. And you really are far away there. I mean, just talk us through actually where Sumba is, because some people may not know. So the island of Sumba is a one-hour flight uh, east of Bali. It is two and a half times bigger than Bali. So it's the size of Massachusetts or Jamaica from a size perspective. Population of about 800,000 people. Uh, it is a Christian island that uh, is very reminiscent of Africa. I think that's why it sort of stole my heart at the time and very tribal, and its religion is Maripu, and it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. Amazing. And James, when did you first go to Sumba? When did you find, when did you discover Nihi? My amazing partner, Chris Birch, called me when I was the president of YTL and said that uh, uh, he had visited an extraordinary place on the island of Sumba called Nihiwatu, and we stayed in touch, and after the Carlisle, as you said, I went to Singapore, and he said, would I go down and look at Niiwatu? And I had to Google Sumba, as nobody knows where Sumba is, and most people to this day don't know where it is. And we flew to, to Niiwatu, and uh, it took my breath away. It's probably the ex- most beautiful place. I was very much in situ at YTL, and Chris wanted to go ahead and purchase it, and I said I would be delighted to help you as a friend purchase it and do the deal, which I did do. And thereafter, the, sort of, the rest is history. 
you took a leap of faith, you left this kind of corporate world of hotels and you went and did something kind of maverick with Chris. I looked at Sumba and I just said, you know what, I think this can be somewhere incredible. And so did Chris. And Chris said, let's go for it. And I moved to the jungle and, and spent a lot of time here creating it and building it. And, you know, Chris Chris funded it and took a great leap of faith and and we created something amazing together. And, you know, fortunately from our global connections and my connections in uh, from a, a very long career in the hotel business, you know, Sophie came out and did an amazing piece in, in Conne Nast, and then Peter came out and did a piece in Travel and Leisure, and the press just fell in love with it. Then when we did become number one hotel in the world, Travel and Leisure, two years in a row, it was a game changer. Because when people are exposed to Nihi, it just changes everything. As I think you will attest to, Jules, having yeah. experienced that yourself. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's kind of fascinating to me is every great hotelier in the world tries to now attempt to copy what you've done at Nihi and they can't because you can't copy it because it's utterly unique. It's a, it's one of those places where I feel has just organically become itself through yours and Chris's vision. But it, there was, like you say, there wasn't a master plan. It wasn't, I mean, in many ways, Nihi doesn't make sense at all. You know, it's, um, the room categories are completely mad. No, there's no sort of, this room is the same as this room. It's, it's really wild. It truly is. You know, for me, probably my best evening ever, maybe, of a hotel experience was just sitting in the bar down where all the surfers are going out off to, you know, catch their wave. And you just sit. It's not it's not a formal hotel bar. Your feet are in the sand. It's not a formula. And that's what I love is that you've gone down sure. there and you've ripped up the rule book. It's crazy, Jules. At the Marriott Worldwide Conference last year, Nii was the case study. At the Rosewood Worldwide Conference, Nii came up. And it's like, oh my God, it's actually hard to believe. And I think the other piece of that is the coexistence with the Sumbanese and the Sumba Foundation and the philanthropic arm, which is such a vital part of what we do. But I believe that everything we do is real. There, there really is no greenwashing and, and it's pure and real and it's deep. And James, just on from that, I love then what you've done on the wellness side, because again, yeah. instead of following the rule book of we're going to put in a spa, it's going to have eight treatment rooms, it's going to be conveniently located next to the restaurant or wherever it is, you've gone and created a spa safari. You've literally again flipped the concept of a spa on its head. Sure, sure. I enjoy having a massage. I've never been a really big fan of spas because I found them just to be all the same. So I think at one point we were going to create some ballets in trees on knee itself. And as I'm a hiker and walker, as is Chris, we, there was this piece of land that was for sale in Nioka, five kilometers away. And we hiked there and we built a little platform and then we put a little fire. Then we built a ballet where you'd have reflexology and then people went and it was like, oh my, this is amazing. You, you, earn, you earn your spa, you, you hike, it takes you an hour and 15 minutes. And then we built another ballet and another ballet, then the pool and the waterfall and the room. And again, it took a life of its own. So it was, um, it's planned, but unplanned. But the spa safari was nothing more than hiking. And because you went past Buffalo, water Buffalo, when you were getting there, and you arrived, I, I, I didn't quite know what to call it, but it had a safari feeling. And because you were in the wild and the sea and the waves and the wind and the birds and everything again is real and magical. 
and that when the that magical piece of it is its purity simplicity in most cases wins over complexity well i once remember a great hotelier saying to me that that what exactly what you've just said he used the word simplexity because actually what you've done is made something very simple but actually it's quite complex to get to that point of just stripping everything back i mean when I stayed the night at Villa Regia, I have to tell you, it was one of the most inspiring and sexy experiences I've ever had. I'm there. We've walked to this beautiful villa. Somebody delivers the most delicious food. We have no Wi-Fi. There's no phone signal. There's just the sound of the water. I was there with my husband. It was so incredible. It's just elemental. Very few places on earth can you allocate 100 acres and, and that I mean, anywhere else that would be a, a hundred-room hotel, and yeah. uh, we we just very blessed and privileged that we can, you know, people say, well, are you going to turn this into build rooms here and do this and commercialize it? And the answer is no. As long as, as long as we can, we want it retained in this most natural, beautiful way because it is so, so, so unique. There's some of the most beautiful walks in the world. So we'll have a seven-day program with hikes between 15 and 20 kilometers a day, and uh, with amazing you know, nutrition and so forth associated with it. It's just utilizing the beauty of the land, the waterfalls, the hills, the beaches that we just have, have, have sort of not used correctly. And then obviously uh, Equine Connect, which is the equine program with our horses that we've got 20, I think 27 horses now and seven of them have got a little bit older and they are perfect in their older age to be the horses that are used in equine therapy. So again, it's sort of a, it's been a natural pathway for us to get there. But James, you embrace stuff. I always, you know, I'm not, I'm not just going to sit here just flattering you, but I do think what you do, you're always ahead of the curve. I mean, what other right. things are you looking at to keep ahead of the curve? You know, have you got other things on the horizon with Nihi? We are probably 40% done at Nihi Rote. Rote is an island one hour east of Sumba, south of Kupang, which is with Michael Schwab, our partner there. And it's got probably some of the best surfing in the world, best diving. We will have an island that is maybe uh, a 10-minute boat ride away that is massive. It's probably 2,000 acres. And on the island will be the horses and the appropriate spa safari of that area. And then our site in Costa Rica, which is just round from the Four Seasons and Papagayo, is 1,000 acres just off Witch's Rock, one of the best waves in Costa Rica. And we're between Papagayo and Santa Rosa National Park, which borders on Nicaragua. And the process has taken long, undoubtedly, to get that going. We've been ready to start building, but, uh, you know, just had a, had a few, few hiccups on the way to get there. But we are very, very, very close to hopefully breaking ground within the next few and weeks. And James, what I love is your perseverance, because actually, if you were a sort of one of the big corporate companies, you'd have got fed up with those projects long ago, moved on to something that could when you, yeah. you know, get you money quicker. And yeah. when mm -hmm. I see what Nihi is doing, it's truly inspiring because it comes from the right place. Absolutely. And that, that, I mean, from Costa Rica, Rote is beautiful, but Costa Rica is, you know, is it two and a half hours from Miami. It's 25 minutes from Liberia Airport. It's a 2,000-year dry forest. It is untouched. It is beautiful. And its location is just quite extraordinary. So any plans for any Nihis in Europe? 
Not at this point. I am just very focused on what we have going on at the moment. I mean, even in Sumba, we're redoing the restaurant in Neo Beach Bar with a brand new kitchen. The boathouse is getting redone. So there's just a lot going on. And with Rote moving very quickly, that's what I'm focused on. So just, just to have a little talk about Africa, because I know this is yeah. where you came from. Sure. And um, I know that you're heart is often there and your yes. brilliant mother and for anyone who follows James on Instagram you will occasionally see James's spectacularly glamorous mum who is James how old now 95 sitting sipping cocktails in the oyster box <laughs> in Durban looking like the chicest woman I have ever seen yeah. and it is such a joy to watch you guys <laughs> with your wonderful son together um yeah. Just tell me about where your career began and how it came. And you Sure, know. sure, sure, sure. I grew up in South Africa and uh, I had a wonderful upbringing. Went to boarding school, went to the army for two years and then went to hotel school. And at the same time worked at a hotel called the Royal Hotel, which was the best hotel in South Africa and Durban at that time, which uh, <laughs> it isn't anymore. Anyway, I always wanted to be in the hotel business. It was just in my genes. No one is in the hotel business in my family. And I worked hard and loved every minute of it. And I went to America on holiday when I was 21. I was looking for a job, couldn't find a job, and eventually found a job in Carlsbad at a timeshare place called the Carlsbad and Beach and Tennis Resort. But it had no tennis courts. The tennis courts were at the high school across the road. So when people when people used to come from New York that had bought their timeshare and they said, where, where are the tennis courts? I said, no, the tennis courts are right across the road. Uh, but you have to be finished by three o'clock before, by, by, by the time school ends. And their faces were, it was just wild. And I think at that time I saw, and an, an, there was an ad in Travel and Leisure, we're talking 1987, and it was for the Ritz-Carlton and Palm Springs, and it looked absolutely beautiful, and I walked into it, and it was just spectacular. I think it was probably Ritz-Carlton number six. And uh, fortunately, I, I was confident, and I, I called the general manager, I made an appointment to see him, and I started as a management trainee when there were six Ritz-Carltons in, I think, 19, it's 87 or 88. And from there, um, I was with them for 14 years. It was my foundation. I think probably opened about 20 of them. Went from Boston to St. Louis to San Francisco, wow. Big Island of Hawaii, Maui, Pasadena, and then Singapore, Kuala Lumpur. And I learned so much from my growing up in Ritz-Carlton and the acquisition of Marriott, a very special time in my life and a, and a tremendous growth period. Yeah, sounds it. My God. And then I got the call from a Grosvenor house and where we were going to deploy 100 million to renovate it, but we went bankrupt instead. And uh, <laughs> that lasted a year, year and a half, but I learned a lot there too. And, and at that point, Flip Merritt's called me to go to the call out. Amazing. Well, I love hearing about these brands and where they came from, like talking to you about Marriott and Ritz-Carlton, because yeah. I'd love to just get your opinion now on the brands that you think that matter right now. You know, there's some great hoteliers doing brilliant things, but where are the great hotels right now and who are the great hoteliers? For me, unequivocally, Rosewood is the big company of choice. It's a force to be reckoned with. I think the expansion, they are relevant and are doing an amazing job. I think as a big company, not a big company, a behemoth, Marriott is still Marriott and uh, I think how they have their brand differentiation, as big as it is, but as I said, Rosewood to me is the leader of the pack. I actually think Auberge are doing a great job too. Yeah, I agree. I think that Auberge from the COVID times really found a niche. 
you know, Rosewood with a little player where before it was a brand and that sort of sense of place era where they would go and Auberge where the headliner is the property name and it's what people want today and their expansion and growth has been excellent. They've got a great team and I have to commend them. I think they've done an excellent job in growing the company. They haven't gone to Europe yet and are going to get bigger and are growing extremely rapidly. And then, you know, finally... And it's not a, a plug because Luke, Luke Bales and Joe are very dear friends of mine. I, I think that Singita is exceptional in every way. So do you, James, do you have a favorite place where you go to relax for you? It's very difficult, I know, as a hotelier. I was, I was asked that this morning by someone actually going home. I'm sure it's, just, it's like you going to Norfolk. Yeah. For me, it's going to San Estevão and, and going back to Lisbon and going to the country and being at home. Our greatest joy is being in Portugal. I always want to discover new places, and I always want to grow. Last year, we did Everest Base Camp. The year before, Kilimanjaro. This year, I, I kind of feel bad because I don't have a big trip planned. James, I don't think you should be too hard on yourself. I think you've got quite a lot on, so to go and relax in Portugal sounds <laughs> sounds just about right. Um, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna finish off with a few quick fire questions at you. Um, sure. So what book are you reading at the moment? Uh, I just read the Elon Musk book. Just finished it. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, the Isaacson book. And it was excellent. And then the book that I'm also listening to at the moment is To Think Like a Monk, to to calm the monkeys down in my head because our heads are full of monkeys and and the monk keeps everything quiet. I've got a few too many monkeys right now. And what about a favorite weekend read, a newspaper? Is there sort of a go-to for you? I love the FT. And when I can get a paper FT, I just like the smell of it. I like the crinkle. And it's just, it just feels nice. What about a favorite airline? Because I have to ask this question in this kind of mad world of um, flying. So I have a favorite airline, but it doesn't mean to say I always take it because it's so expensive and I have to get a good deal because flying is so expensive these days. (laughs) However, when I find a good deal uh, on it, which is on occasion, the Q suite in Qatar is, is pretty unbeatable. Yeah. And uh, and even, you know, an emergency row in, in, in the car and whatever, it's, a, it's an exceptional airline. And their service and their excellence is, for me, is top. And it's also brilliant because they fly to Bali, don't they? So then you can connect onto Sumba pretty easily. Oh, yeah. The problem is they don't connect to Lisbon. Is uh, right. That's the problem. Emirates do, and Emirates is great as well. But for whatever, I've just sort of been... Uh, and again, you know, one will be in... It still matters being gold or executive platinum. It helps. You know, I was 1K on United at the end of 23. And first flight in 24, I went to to check in and tap. And I went to the, I was flying coach and I went to the business class desk and I said, you want me to check in? I said, why are you here? And I'm like, what do you mean, why am I here? I'm, I'm 1K. And they said, no, you're not. You have no status. I'm like, what? No status. And what had happened was you have to take a minimum of four flights on United because my Star Alliance was through that and I'd only taken three. I feel like we need a whole podcast based around 
airline conversation and these alliances and points and gold cards. I was just traveling with a journalist last week who made it to gold for the first time. And I've never seen a celebration like it. We were in the middle of the Serengeti and suddenly she starts literally wailing with joy Uh, at this That must be Annie Fitzsimmons. It was Annie. Um, (laughs) It was Annie. It was hilarious. Um, But I I know that feeling myself because you really feel like you've made it. It makes a difference. When you check in at Terminal 5 and you go to the right, it's quick. It's, it, it's a huge difference, period. There's no doubt about it. Honestly, Jules, there's quite a few meaningful trips that were so expensive going to Costa Rica and places. I actually did go in an emergency row, bulkhead and coach, because it was 1000 bucks against 6000 And that was it. So you, I take my case down put my feet up, and that's it. You just got to bite the bullet. I did economy to Nairobi last week, which um, was absolutely great. Yeah. It, no issue with it at all. It was an extra 4000 to upgrade. It just simply exactly. was not even a question. You buy some nice food, you do your thing, take your bag down, put your, as long as you can put your feet up, it makes all the difference in the world. Well, I mean, how tall are you? Six, uh, 183. Right, so you're talking to the vertically challenged over here. He doesn't <laughs> really have that issue with her, her, with her legs. James? What a delight to talk to you. As always, um, as you can tell, James and I do and can sit and talk for hours and hours. And um, whether it's meeting, oh, we bump into each other in all places around the world and go don't out of our way. To, to... Don't, don't forget to tell your listeners or the listeners to have a backup phone. That was my best tip of the year last year. Oh, you know, okay. I, I got mugged and my phone was stolen. I won't say where, but um, and because I've always traveled with a fully loaded like when you upgrade your phone, keep your old phone, keep it current, and you can have two WhatsApp accounts on, this, on, on different phones with the exact same number because the stress of losing your phone and having to fix everything is the biggest problem. But having a spare phone, honestly, I, I can't recommend it enough. Well, there you are, a serious travel tip from one of the most well-traveled people that I know. James, thank you so much. We've absolutely loved listening to your insights into travel, your career, and what you've done on Nihi. It is truly an exceptional place. Thank you so much. And to you and your team, you're the best in the business, truly. And it's just a, a privilege to, to work with you and alongside you and to see you flourish and to see your business and what you are doing with, uh, in your new digital world. I'm so happy for you. Thanks, James. Many thanks to James for the insights of a man who clearly has seen it all and done it all beautifully. And I think we should all be a little bit more nihi. Let me thank you as well for listening. And if you've enjoyed it, please do subscribe to Unpacked and that way you won't miss a thing in the future. Meanwhile, I leave you with a quote about flying, which I dedicate to airlines everywhere. I've been to almost as many places as my luggage. Until next time. Goodbye from Unpacked.